welcome to Breathing Open Motherhood. I'm your host, Charmaine Yuma. I'm here to rewrite the narratives on what it gets to be like to live as modern mothers who are deeply connected to their instinctual truths, who thrive as mothers, who look back upon this time of our lives with absolute wonder and awe on how magic this motherhood gig is. This podcast is intended to be a source of inspiration only and not for specific or individualized treatment. Please always seek the advice of your health professional. If that's me, reach out at charmainnewmark.com before implementing any guidance on this podcast. Now, whilst I endeavor to not use any offensive language when I'm in flow, occasional cussing may slip through. So please be mindful around little ears. It is my deepest hope that these episodes help us rewrite the narratives together from a conversation of challenge and lack to one of openness, inspiration and liberation of our minds, bodies and spirits. I am so grateful to be able to do this with you all and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast of Breathing Open Motherhood. I'm your host, Charmaine Newmark, and today I'm here to talk to you about a connected Christmas because I'm starting to put all of the um, puzzle pieces together on how I'd really like Christmas to feel this year. And I thought it would be really helpful to share with you what I do in my home and what has worked for us to feel more connected, less stressed, more simplicity throughout the festive season um, and really taking the focus away from consumerism and consumption and expensive gifts, which often leave us with a whole bunch of rubbish post-Christmas, feeling tired and fatigued and broke. Me and my husband always high-five ourselves when we get to February and we're not like, oh my God, we are not broke (laughs) because for so many years, We would just rack up the credit card to fit into this model of what Christmas is supposed to be like. And the more and more I move along my conscious and aware journey, the more I'm waking up and going, I can no longer contribute to the madness and the mayhem of these structures that we've been told need to look and feel a certain way. And it is deeply important for me to forge my own path and really bring it back to basics and simplicity of what the festive season is supposed to be about for me and what I want it to be about for me and curate my experience to look and feel in that way. And when I think into what I want the festive season to feel like is I want it to feel like connection. When I look back in my childhood There were so many moments of disconnect, dysfunction throughout my family unit, but come Christmas, something happened and all of a sudden everyone got along (laughs) and I kind of love that. I kind of love that, you know, for that few days between Christmas and the new year, everything just felt like a little bit normal. Um, Everyone spoke to each other as opposed to like ripping shreds off each other every time you look at each other the wrong way. So it felt like a really nice thing when I look back to my childhood and I think of Christmas, I'm thinking of connection. I'm thinking of love. I'm thinking of joy. I'm thinking of magic. I'm thinking of peace and calm and fluidity, not rigid, you know, I'm thinking of... um, going, you know, when you go to the supermarket, like the shopping centers before Christmas, and it's just like fucking chaos everywhere. And there's people everywhere. There's people with massive bags and it's stressful and it feels intense. My whole nervous system is like, you're missing the whole damn point. So I'm tapping out of that. 
every year I tap out a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more to the point now where within our own family unit, so me and my husband and my children, we're really simplifying, you know, two presents for each other um, and, you know, their experiences and presents that bring connection and really speak into our top values. And we're doing really simple Christmas lunch Bless my mum's trying to make it super like fancy and I'm going to keep stripping it back to simplicity because that's what feels good for me. I don't want to arrive on Christmas Day and be like, oh, thank God we made it. Holy shit, that was a mission. I think that's kind of defeating the purpose. So I'm here to just talk to you about a few things on how I would really love to have a more deeper connected Christmas in terms of what we're doing, what our presents are looking like, what our, you know, what the feel of the day is going to be and feel free to take any inspiration and please share this message so we can come back to what it's supposed to be about. It's about family. It's about connection. It's about spending time together. It's about our presence, not our presence. So how can we bring that air of presence instead of being so stressed and deflated that we can't even think straight come Christmas day? So it feels really important to me because I feel like it sets the tone, especially having aged um, children that are in school holidays. I really feel like the journey and the leading up to Christmas and then what happens at Christmas and then till they go back to school can set a really big tone for how I desire for that whole six-week holidays to go. We can choose to be like, oh, my God, six weeks. This is so hard. What are we going to do? Holy shit, there's so much and all the things. How am I going to get all the Christmas shopping done and all the wrapping and all the things? Or we can just nut it down a little bit and really tune into, yes, we're probably going to buy a few presents, so let's make them meaningful. And what does that mean? And more importantly, how do I want to be? How do I want the energy to feel in my home around the festive season? Do I want the kids to grow up and look back at Christmas and be like, fuck, that was a shit show? Excuse my wild brain. <laughs> You'll see probably lots of F-bombs today. Or are they going to look back and be like, man, that was so cool, you know, like we just used to have like jammy days forever in a day and then, you know, mum would always bring out the slip and slide and we'd go out there in our jammies and the detergent, like, you know, I, do, I want the joy. I want the joy. I really encourage myself, really, <laughs> to soften into the joy instead of all of the things that I'm told that I should do to make this look like a really beautiful experience, you know. So I'm going to start with just three focus points. So the first focus point is <laughs> buying gifts that have meaning and have purpose for the person that you're buying them for. And we can often think, you know, I'll buy them this because that ticks the box or I'll buy them this because they'll probably like that. But as I try deeper and more so to disconnect from consumerism, I'm actually looking at if I'm going to buy something, how do I make sure that it's something that is going to bring value and joy to that person's life? And the way I'm understanding the best thing that I would like to spend my money on to show this person how much I love them is by tuning into their love language and their values. Because very often when we're buying for someone, we're trying to project our own love language and our own values onto another person. It is a very big task of humbleness to disconnect from our own projection and actually just look at the person in front of us and be like, what do they value and how do they like to receive love? 
So for example, Charlie, my eldest, she's nine. She loves things. Her love language is gifts and her love language is quality time. So she wants physical, tangible things and she wants things that she can do with you. She loves nothing more than when I sit down and play beads with her and we make jewelry or we do craft or we cook something. And that can be really hard for my nervous system to adjust to because I've got trauma around art. And I also, as a busy type A mom, can really struggle to just sit down and be present for an extended period of time because I'm like, oh my God, there's so many things to do, even though that's what I deeply desire to do. But anywho, off track there. Her love language is gifts and connection. So when I'm trying to think of what I would like to get her, to um, to show her how much I love her, I'm going to speak into her love language and I'm going to speak into what she values. She really values creativity and family and connection time. So I'm thinking of things like crafty activities that we can do together that are simple. You know, there's beautiful, like there's so many different craft things that you can do that are low tox, that don't have a lot of plastic, that are using wood items and card and, and recycled card that don't take a massive toll on the environment, that are also things that we can do together that also feel like a gift. Yeah, so I'm tuning into what are their love languages and what are their top values. My love language is service do things for me and food top value on food so if someone's going to make me something for Christmas I'm going to lose my mind I'm going to love that that's going to be really hitting the spot for me and I'm going to be like wow they really saw me my husband's birthday recently so many years I've worried you know what am I going to get him all these things and all this stuff I didn't I did a really beautiful photo shoot his top value is physical touch Uh, sorry his love language is physical touch And he has a top value on relationship. So for his birthday, I gave him me and a photo album. (laughs) He nearly cried. He nearly cried because it tuned straight into his top values. It tuned straight into his love language. So he felt valued in that moment. So if you're unaware of what the love languages are, I'll drop the link into the show notes so you can go and do the quiz. It's a really simple way to form connection as a family um, and a really beautiful way to consider uh, the gifts that you're buying for your people. So that's tip number one, tune into their love language, tune into what they value, what is meaningful to them, not what's meaningful for you. I want to make things for people. I want to make them food, but I'm also very well aware and have no attachment on that meaning that they're going to be like, oh my God, that is so nice that you made me a packet of spice nuts. Like that would have been really hard for you wrangling a little baby on your hip. I'm not going to do that. I don't have an attachment to that because that's me going, I'm loving you through my top values. I'm loving you through my love language. And that feels really yummy and good for me to do that for you. And I hope you enjoy it. There's been many times I've gone to the fridge after Christmas day, three months later, and the shit that I made is still there. <laughs> I don't have attachment anymore to them receiving my projection of my own love languages. I hope that makes a little bit of sense. I would actually love to know. Oh, wild brain. Oh, I love this energy. Next thing low waste gifts and gift wrapping. So it was probably about four years ago that we made a decision to tap out from um, gift wrap cards and packaging Um, because, you know, however many years old I am, 35 years, Boxing Day has always been the massive trip to the bin with all the wrapping. And then I learned that all of that wrapping is made from trees that are cut down. It's hardly ever recycled. 
is hardly ever recyclable because they've coated it in a thin plastic, which doesn't break down properly in landfill. And I just can't do it. I just can't be part of the the narrative that we have to wrap it in this really pretty stuff that is pillaging from the environment and also ruining the environment when we put it into it so that we can make what something look pretty. Like, and it's expensive too, right? Like, I don't know how much cards are these days, but back in the heyday when I used to buy them, they're like five or six bucks. Like, I'm pretty sure I could make a meal for five or six dollars and that would feel like a far better way to spend my money. So we tapped out of packaging a number of years ago and instead what I would do is recycle. So if I had a newspaper, it would be newspaper. Um, I would then use twine. I would get like twigs or I would get, um, we've got heaps of rosemary and heaps of eucalypt and beautiful botanical flowers just growing around our street. So I would go and put that and I would go and tie a little posy together and tie it on with the twine. Um, probably the worst thing I say worse, like no, no judgment on myself or others at all, but I would occasionally buy like a thing of Brown, um, craft paper if it was made out of recycled paper and if it was fully recyclable, because I just like that look and it looks really pretty and you can get a lot for like a few bucks and it generally goes a long way. So we would do that. Um, I have wrapped things in scarves. So I have a big scarf addiction. If you know me, you know I've got a bit of a scarf addiction. I love scarves. Drives my husband insane, my scarf and my teapot addiction. But I love it. So you will often find some of my gifts wrapped up in a scarf or a re-gift of like a cute tote bag or something that they can use again and again and again and again and again. Or if I see some that are like super duper cute, then I'm happy to buy those because they're things that they're the gift that keep on giving and we can just keep giving them and they can keep making their way and paying them forward. If you're doing things that are food-based, um, I'm just thinking into when I did a, did a meal train. I'm not sure who shared this with me, but it's been really beautiful too. I go to the op shop, I buy the soup container or the Pyrex container, a little old retro one, and I fill that with what I'm gifting someone and I gift them food and I gift them the container. And the the um, the conversation is to pay it forward so that we're continuously sharing around this communal pot of soup, right? Chicken soup for the soul. So what else have I got? Low tox, low waste wrapping. Um, so my scarves, oh, we have a photo book. No, we have a card book. So this has been going since maybe 2015, I think. I just went and bought a brown journal and I put an N on the front. Our surname's Newmark. So I put an N. I wrote in there when we were established and I, I essentially blessed and opened the book with, you know, what the book was about and that it's one space to hold our memories. So for every event that we have, we just have my hubby's birthday. So we wrote our cards in there. Um, when we have Christmas, we write our cards in there. Um, any type of celebration that you normally buy a card for, we're just writing that straight into the book. So every time I have to write a card to my family, I actually get to then go through all of the history and I get to see the little kids' cards to their dad, you know, when they were like tiny and they could hardly write. And it's just the cutest thing. It's a beautiful way to keep all of our memories in one spot. How often are you left with a bunch of cards at the end of a festive season? And you're like, what do I do with these? I don't want to throw out Nan's card. Well, when Nan comes over, she could write in your card book. 
So if you haven't already got one of those, I highly encourage it. It's a beautiful way to keep all of your letters and celebrations to each other together. And it's beautifully as well something that you can then gift on. So get yourself a thick one. So it could be potentially something that lasts your family, you know, a really long time. We're only like a teeny tiny way through it and it's been going for seven years. So I feel like we're going to at least have it for the next 20 years, filling it up with beautiful experiences. So I love that. Hello, beautiful mama. I'm just interrupting your podcast briefly to invite you into my online space for mamas nourished where we breathe open motherhood together. This is a space where we get to rewrite the narratives with monthly new themes, weekly drop-ins, weekly lives, and also behind the scenes access to our podcast recordings. I really hope you can join us in the space and the link is in the show notes if you're ready to dive in with us. Tip number three is connection gifts. So when you know their love language and you know what they value, so what's important to them and how do they like to receive love, you can then scaffold a little bit of your purchasing around connection gifts. So how are you going to be buying things that are going to bring connection into that person's life? As human beings, we thrive with connection. We are designed to be in community. So am I buying you something to take you out of that or am I buying you something that's actually going to pull you deeper into that joy? Because it's when we're with others that we experience real joy. Yes, we can talk about having it on our own and, yes, that's a beautiful journey to go on, but as human beings we are designed to be in community and in connection. So when I think of connection gifts, I'm thinking of things that bring people together. So examples for what I've done personally. So we don't buy the adults in our family anything for Christmas. Um, We only buy something very little for the kids. So I have two, uh, I don't know, however many lots of nephews and nieces and siblings. So I bought them things that they can do together. So they've got a pair of drum kits where they can hold, like they're electric drum kits, electric drumsticks, and they bash them around and they can make music and they can have one each. So I bought that purely for the hope that they can have one each and they can make some music together or they can, you know, go bop each other over the head if they need to, whatever. I don't care. We can do it together. Um, And then it was a board game. So each family got their own little board game. And based on what they like and, you know, age appropriate board games to actually bring them into connection. We, especially my son, Sage, a really high value on quality time, loves to sit down and have a board game and watch a movie. So I'm thinking of that when I'm buying him. Yes, cool. So he's got a board game. Yes. Tick. He's also got some movies. Tick. Um, So what is going to bring connection in for those people? So we can think of board games. We can think of things where you're making music together. We've got those connection gifts of crafts that you can do together or colouring in. Um, For preschools um, and schools, I've always loved buying trees um, because I feel like that's a beautiful way to connect us back to the earth. So when we said goodbye to Charlie's daycare and she went to big school, we bought them a mandarin tree. And when Sagey started at that daycare, guess what? They're eating the mandarins. So it's a beautiful way to keep that connection and that thread through the community. Um, So this year, Sagey's last day at year of daycare. Oh, my God. And he's going to be starting at big school. We're buying a blueberry tree because what kid does not love blueberries? It's a way that the kids can then 
when the blueberries come onto the tree, they can all come together and it's just the gift that keeps giving. So I personally am really excited about that. Kind of have a soft pot plants and trees, you know, kind of a herbalist, kind of my jam um, and have a, a, a real like deep resonance for the connection that can happen through food and through plant medicine. So I'm really excited about that. The last step, uh, the last connection gift that I encourage is experiences. So we very rarely buy gifts for our friends and, you know, for all the 8,000 birthday parties that you're invited to. It's instead, hey, I'm not going to buy you anything, but we're going to go out. So Charlie loves it when we take her girlfriends out for their birthdays. We always go to espresso. We always get those big giant milkshakes with all the fairy floss and they just want to vomit afterwards and they just have the best time and there's lollies everywhere and chocolate. That is the stuff that they're going to remember. They're not going to remember the $20 squishy. I don't remember anything. I don't remember any gifts. Sorry, mom. But I really don't. I hardly remember any gifts from my childhood. I remember the experiences that I had and the way that I felt. It felt like the one time of the year I was allowed to be a child. And actually it was one. It was, you know, adding the pool until all hours and being totally roasted and sunburned and rolling down the hills and getting covered in grass and day trips to the beach on the bus with my friends, like totally just experiences. They're absolutely not gifts for me. Um, but yes, coming back into experiences, um, things like movie gift cards. Sage loves the movies. He loves going to the movies together. So I know getting him a movie gift card is going to be far more meaningful than getting him a toy that he's not going to play with. Um, There's so many activities that we can do that bring connection and that encourage us to step beyond our comfort zones, right? Like just off the top of my head, um, the treetop climbs, they're popping up everywhere. Um, If you're after relaxation, things like City Cave or Um, If you're looking for a big family present, like how awesome would it be to be given like an Airbnb gift voucher? We can go away for a weekend or we just recently gave our bestie a big four voucher so that we could encourage her to go and have a relaxing weekend away. Um, There's what else? Turbo climb. If you're in Southwest Sydney, we've got turbo climb, indoor rock climbing. You've got indoor skydiving. You've got bowling. There's so many opportunities to be able to gift people the gift of experience. They are the things that make the memories. They are the things that change the dynamics within the family. You know, they're the things for me that I find deeply important. Me and my best friend, we're going for colonics because we've been wanting to do colonics for ages. So we're like, yeah, let's buy each other colonics this Christmas. And we're so excited about it because it's something we're doing together. And it's also a new experience for us. And it's in, in alignment with our top values, which is health. So it feels like a beautiful opportunity for both of us. So connection gifts, go and do colonics if you want. Feel free to do that. Um, total mental blank on where we're getting it. But anyway, if you're curious, let me know. It's in Camden. Um, um, yeah, no, it's not coming to me. So we've got love languages and values, low waste wrapping, connected gifts. I really hope that those three things alone are enough to really solidify you into what you desire your Christmas to be and to look back on these micro moments and just see that they really fucking matter. They are deeply important and enriching for my top values and the family values that I hope that as a family unit, we look back and we're proud of. 
um, instead of, you know, living a Christmas that feels in alignment with what I should be doing. So I would love to know, please feel free to share or tag me away on social media. I would love to know what you're up to. If you listen to this podcast before the 27th of November, we're doing a make and take workshop in Mananan where we're going to be making um, gingerbread, a festive granola and a teacher's gifts. Um, so please reach out. I'll drop the link into the show notes as well. And if I don't speak to you before, then have the most magical and childlike, joyful, peaceful, calm Christmas ever. And I'll see you in the new year. Be well. Thank you so much for diving into this week's episode of Breathing Open Motherhood. It is truly a pleasure to be able to share this wisdom with you. If you have any questions or if you have any topics that you'd love to hear me riff on, I would really adore to hear from you. You can reach out to me on all the socials at charmaine.newmark.nourished or online at charmainenewmark.com. And I'll see you on next week's podcast.